Have you ever thought about the anatomy of a leader? Well, I'm not talking about hairstyle or eye color or the way we dress, but how do we break down what a leader really is? Is it all about simply what we do, or is there something more to it? In this session, Steve is going to discuss these issues. So Free to Lead is about helping you be the best leader you can be. But that's part of a bigger vision. We want to see true Christian leadership transforming our society. Because true Christian leadership is the gold standard in leadership. Think about the best leader you have ever had the privilege to follow. What is it about them that made them that good? Was it more what they did or was it more who they were, their character? But whenever we ask that question, the vast majority of people come back and say, actually, it was who they were. It was their character. We've already said that people will follow who you are and how you are before they will follow what you do or say. And in this session, we're going to look a little bit more at the critical relationship between who we are, our being, and what we do, our doing. Freedom in Christ Ministries is a discipleship ministry, and our aim is to equip church leaders to make fruitful disciples. But over the years, I've come to realise that most leaders' instinctive concept of what discipleship is is quite different to ours. Our concept starts with being who you are. But instinctively, people assume that discipleship is more about doing. So it kind of works like this. You know, we know that salvation is God's gift of grace. And we say something like this to people. Come to Jesus just as you are. Lay your burdens down at the foot of the cross. You don't have to do anything. Just come. And people respond. Fantastic. Now we say, you need to learn to be a disciple. Read your Bible every day. Come to the midweek meeting. Oh, and come to church on a Sunday. Now, those are all good things. But if we're not careful, it becomes a kind of subtle Christian behaviorism that sounds a bit like this to them. Try this. Do this. Try not to do that. Don't do that. And we've learned that the key to helping somebody become a fruitful disciple is not to teach them what to do, at least not first and foremost, but to teach them who they are, what happened to them the moment they came to Christ. So that it's not a trying harder mentality. It's just about realising what has already happened and working from that point. What about the last leadership book you read, Christian or not? As we said in the last session, probably it was about doing, not being. If you want to be a better leader, do this, try this. Here's a technique you can try or a system you can implement. And all of that's completely understandable because we tend to be wired to do. We naturally assume that our behaviour is the primary issue. But what we've discovered in both discipleship and leadership is that the primary issue isn't doing, it's being. Think about the Pharisees in the New Testament. They were actually the preeminent leaders of Jesus' day. 
outwardly, they were really impressive, righteous. They put the emphasis on doing, doing the right things. So they were doing all the kind of things that you'd expect church leaders to do. Tithing, memorising scripture, being a godly example. And in Matthew 15, the Pharisees and the scribes criticised Jesus' disciples for not washing their hands before eating. Again, focus on doing, or in this case, not doing. This is what Jesus says. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person? For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So Jesus says it's primarily about what's inside, what Jesus calls your heart and what we're going to be calling your being. And the point is this, your doing will always flow from your being. Your doing will always flow from your being. If your being is good, your doing will be good. If your being is bad, ultimately your doing will be bad. Did people follow the Pharisees? Yes, they did. But what were the outcomes of their leadership? Were they beneficial? Jesus said, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. All negative. Their doing might have looked fantastic... And they may have used all the latest techniques, but their being was wrong. So let's consider what we mean by being in a leader. And to start with, I'm going to be talking about any leader, whether they're a Christian or not. So what makes up the being of a leader? Well, things like they will have a unique mind, will, emotions... A unique temperament, maybe they're an introvert or an extrovert, a thinker or a feeler or whatever. They have a unique background. They'll be influenced by their culture, their gender, their upbringing, their experiences. And they have a unique mixture of natural abilities, strengths, weaknesses, hopes and dreams. So when we say being, that's what we're talking about, those kind of things. And out of their being will come what they do. So things like... The choices they make, the actions they take, building relationships, those things, those kind of things are their doing. And this being-doing dynamic is something that operates in every leader, Christian or not. So if you want to improve the way you lead, but you leap straight to focusing on trying to modify your behaviour without looking at what's inside, ultimately you won't get very far. People will see through it. Because there's only so long that you can modify your behaviour before you revert back to your true character. So leadership involves both who you are and what you do. Being is about your identity, character and calling. Doing refers to your actions and choices. Your doing flows from your being always. If your being is not right, your doing will not lead in a healthy way. So, if you want to be the leader God is calling you to be, 
the very first thing you have to focus on is getting your being right. And this is where you, if you are a Christian, have a huge advantage. What we've just talked about, remember, applies to any leader. But if you're a Christian, there's a more fundamental part to your being that not yet Christians just don't have. The moment you came to Christ, you became a brand new creation. You became spiritually alive. Your spirit was connected to God's spirit. And deep down inside, at the deepest part of your being, you have been made holy, righteous. There's this amazing verse where Paul tells us that Jesus actually became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. You're not just covered by the righteousness of God, you are the righteousness of God. So at the most fundamental level of who you are, your being is inherently right, as good as it could possibly be, holy, righteous, and all without you doing a single thing. You're forgiven, accepted, pleasing to God. You have the Holy Spirit within you so you can be and do everything that God's called you to be and do. This is what God said about Jesus. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Do you remember when he said that about Jesus? After he was baptised, right? When was that? Right at the start of his ministry, before he had done a single thing. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It's the same for you. God takes pleasure in you primarily for who you now are, not for what you do. So in other words, God looks at your being and he says, that's great, love it. And only Christian leaders have the opportunity to start at a place where their being is absolutely right. And that is going to influence our doing very positively. You know, talking about people coming out of the shadows again, you are not a second-class leader. You're not somehow leading under false pretenses. You don't need to measure how you are against some great leader that you might have in your mind that you've seen. You don't have to be like anyone else. You are a child of God. And God has called you to a significant work in his kingdom. And you know what? You can do it because of who you are in Christ. I know what you're thinking, by the way. You're thinking, that's all very well, Steve. But I can think of some Christians who were new creations in Christ and absolutely terrible leaders. Try not to look at them right now, okay? Just look at me. You know, just being a Christian with a holy being doesn't automatically make you an authentic Christian leader. But what it does do is give you the best possible start. There's more to your being than the fact that you've become a new creation. It's your character. And your character needs to be constantly developing and maturing so that you really are becoming more and more like Jesus. But that is now absolutely possible. Indeed, I would say that's now meant to be normal for a Christian. But the outcome depends very much on you and the choices you make. And just as with Christian discipleship, there are things that will 
try to prevent us or hold us back. And there are old enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil. Let's just consider them briefly. The world, first of all. Most of the time, when you see dysfunctional leadership in the church, it's because we have leaders who are Christians, but they don't really know who they are in Christ. Now, the world wants us to rely on things such as status and position for our sense of identity. And it encourages us to look to our leadership position to get our sense of worth, rather than to who we now are in Christ. You know, when you meet somebody new, maybe at a party or a conference or whatever, it's amazing how quickly you're asked, well, what do you do? And I, I, I do a lot of um, conferences where there are church leaders, and it's interesting to watch two church leaders meeting for the first time. And they're asking each other various questions. But basically, all the questions are designed to, to say, how big is your church? <laughs> and the world wants us to get our significance from those things from our leadership position, the size of our pay packet, the outward success of our church or ministry or business or whatever. Just be honest with yourself a minute. Is having that position of influence ticking some boxes for you, meeting some personal needs, maybe just a little bit? How would you feel if it were taken away? See, to the degree that we base our identity in our leadership position, our leadership is going to be distorted or dysfunctional and certainly less effective. And when difficulties come, leaders who haven't resolved this issue often resort to saying, in effect, to their people, follow me because I'm the leader, essentially. Now, Jesus was the son of God himself. But do you ever see Jesus going around telling people, follow me because I'm the son of God? Never. Why? Because his being was right and people didn't follow his position they followed who he was his being people will follow who you are and how you are before they will follow what you do or say and God isn't measuring you by your job level or the size of the team you lead or the outward trappings of success or any other external worldly factor you know, God has just one concern when he looks at you and your life and your leadership. Do you know what that is? It's your character. Your character. In other words, to what extent are you becoming more and more like Jesus? When I was first saved and going to Bible weeks and seeing people up on stage preaching, I thought I'd really like to do that. But I didn't want to do that because of Christ. It was more because I wanted to be significant, like a rock star, I guess. I was a leader on the leadership team at a church in Hillingdon. And uh, I was also at Bible college at the same time because I really felt called by God. But the problem was that while I was a leader, I wasn't spending any time with God. And my significance, my acceptance was all in being a leader. Now, sadly, while I was in leadership there, we heard that my niece was uh, very ill, she had a brain tumour, and just a bit of background behind that, uh, my wife and I can't have children, and Tamsin was born on my birthday, and I really felt that was a blessing from God, and I, I could, you know, cope with not having children. Well, when she died, my, uh, everything collapsed. Um, it was just a really sad time, and really a time where I had to really find myself again. We found ourselves at a church in Watford, and they were just starting to do the Freedom in Christ course. 
And it was amazing. I just found that my security, my significance and my acceptance in Jesus. And all my life I've been putting them in other things, so in people, in leadership roles and not in Jesus. Once I did that, I found my whole life had changed. And instead of my house being built on the sand, it was now built on the rock. And actually we went through some quite difficult things after that, but we didn't break in any way because our house was firmly built on the rock because we knew who we were in Christ. It's just reiterated to me how important as a leader it is that my significance is in Jesus and not in the leadership role. Sometimes it can be very easy to slip back into thinking, yeah, it's an important role, it's important to be a leader. But actually, those things don't matter. What's most important is your significance in Christ. And that's what I've really found. And when I go home, I just want to strip everything away and just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? The devil can hold us back. You know, it's, it's knowing the truth, really knowing the truth about our being, about who we are, that will set us free to lead effectively. That's the starting point. But the father of lies wants to keep you from knowing that truth, deep down inside. And those of us brought up in the West, we are predisposed to overlook the reality of the spiritual world. We acknowledge it intellectually and theologically, but when it comes to getting up in the morning and living our lives and leading our team, we tend to act as though we're living in a world that is purely physical. Big mistake. Paul is clear that if you let the sun go down on your anger, in other words, if you sin, you give the devil what he calls a foothold, a place of influence in your life. And when you do that, it makes it so much more difficult to get hold of the truth because there's a battle going on. You're in it whether you like it or not, and the battleground is here. It's in our minds. It's all about our thinking. It's whether we're believing truth or lies. In order to resolve those footholds, uh, James gives us a methodology for doing it. He says if you submit to God and resist the devil, the devil has to flee from you. That's James 4, 7. And in Freedom in Christ, we have a ministry tool called the Steps to Freedom in Christ to help you do that. It's a really kind, gentle process. And I go through it once a year as a kind of spiritual checkup. I strongly recommend it to Christian leaders as a highly effective way to make sure that your being remains healthy because you're uncovering footholds of the enemy and dealing with them and you're working out faulty patterns of thinking that you can correct. Now later in Freed to Lead, you'll have the opportunity to go through a similar process that's focused specifically on your leadership ministry. The Steps to Freedom for Leaders is what it's called, and it will enable you to take that ground that you may have given to the enemy through sin in the past uh, and will help you become an effective Christian leader. So we had the world and the devil, and our third enemy is the flesh. See, even though we are now holy deep down inside, it's entirely possible to lead like somebody whose being has not been made holy. Galatians 5.16 says this, Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But it's a daily choice. We're either walking according to the Spirit, the gentle promptings of the Spirit, or we're responding to the urges of the flesh. 
In our personal lives, it can be all too easy to get stuck in what I call sin-confessed cycles, such as pornography. We can be deceived into believing lies about our leadership. Um, A common lie that we believe, for example, is thinking that the outcome depends on us. So we end up striving and leading in our own strength. But maturing as a Christian and becoming an effective Christian leader both have a lot to do with uncovering those faulty ways of thinking, the the things that have just developed in our mind over many years as we've fallen for the lies of the world and the devil, um, and resolving them. See, because all of us have been programmed in different ways. But in Christ, we can now choose to change that programming. It takes some effort over a period of time, but Paul says, and this is Romans 12 too, that it is in renewing our minds that we will be transformed. And as you go through Free to Lead, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to areas where your belief system is not in line quite with God's truth. And as you become aware of them, we'd encourage you to write them down. There's space in the back of your book for that. If you've been through the Freedom in Christ course, you'll know that we have a method called Stronghold Busting, to enable you to take a structured approach to getting rid of lies and believing the truth. It's quite straightforward. You work out what the faulty belief is. For example, that the outcome depends on my own efforts alone. You turn to the Bible and find some verses that tell you what is really true. Then you write yourself a declaration. I renounce the lie that the outcome depends on my own efforts. I announce the truth that I can do nothing on my own, but I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That kind of thing. And then you make that declaration for 40 days or so, which is how long it takes to change a faulty way of thinking, a habit, if you like. But it's like swinging a demolition ball against a wall, trying to demolish it time after time after time, day after day after day. As you make that declaration, it will feel like you're speaking out rubbish because your core belief is the lie that you're trying to break. So you have to persevere through this. Because eventually, as the ball swings against the wall, some cracks appear. And on the next swing, the cracks get bigger. On the next swing, the whole thing comes down. That's exactly how it is with the stronghold. You have to persevere until it all comes down. But as you do that, your mind is renewed and you are transformed. Now, as you learn to focus on living out of your being which has been made righteous, you will grow in godly character. How will you know? Well, the evidence for that is that you and others will see more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Maturity shows when you're increasingly willing to take responsibility for your own mind, your own will your own emotions, and make good choices. Increasingly, you'll find that you are loving others. Not necessarily because you're trying to, you'll just find it happens. You'll be wanting to serve them in humility rather than seeing leadership as a way of getting your own needs met or building your own ego. And increasingly, you'll see a consistency between the internal and the external. You'll be one of those people where what you see is what you get. And you'll have no need to try and hide what's going on inside and other people will experience that as integrity integrity 
Now, for that reason, part of God's preparation for real Christian leaders is, I'm sorry to tell you, brokenness. God so wants us to know the truth that we can do nothing on our own. He so wants us to help us stay in that place of dependence on him that in his love for us, and it is in his love for us, he sometimes unleashes events in our lives that overwhelm us, that take us out of our depth, that take us into realms where we find ourselves just beyond our human ability to cope. God did it with Paul. Well, we saw in the first session how God did it with Rod. So, but we also did it with the Apostle Paul. He sent him something that troubled him. It may have been a health issue, people have surmised, but the truth is we don't really know what it was. We just know it was something uncomfortable. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. And you, you know the story. Paul prayed three times that God would take it away, but God basically said, no, I won't take it away. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when Paul had really understood that, he said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And God will use all kinds of things, a loss of reputation, a personal conflict, financial difficulties. Whatever it is, it will be tailor-made to get down to the issues that need resolving in our being and to get us back to that place of knowing that we're truly dependent on him, that we can do nothing on our own. Now, I've emphasised being, but let me stress that what we're not saying is that leadership is about being rather than doing. It's about both. You can be a good person with a great being, but a very poor leader. You can know your identity in Christ, but fail to lead others effectively. All leadership, effective and ineffective, godly and ungodly, involves both who you are and what you do. The point we're making is simply this. Your doing flows from your being. Always. If your being isn't right, your doing won't lead in a healthy way. So, you will also need to focus on what you do. And there are always lots of things for leaders to do, aren't there? Deciding, discerning, directing, developing, delegating, disciplining... Did you notice all those things begin with D? If you ever, as a leader, find yourself doing anything that doesn't begin with D, stop immediately. (laughs) And neither are we saying that various techniques won't work. Doing certain things in a certain way will always lead others. Who was the most effective leader of the 20th century? Many would say it was Adolf Hitler. And although on one level Hitler's leadership was certainly effective, it did not have long-term beneficial outcomes, to put it mildly. It definitely wasn't Christian. Even an evil person can lead effectively by doing the right things. But like the Pharisees, they lead people into a pit The question isn't whether you are leading people per se, but where you are leading them to, whether the outcomes of your leadership are beneficial. So there are any number of different leadership styles and theories out there. Most of them focus on doing rather than being. 
But as we've said already, that doesn't mean they're of no value. By all means, use them to improve your doing. The crucial thing to remember, however, is that the particular theory or style of leadership that a leader may choose is not as important as the leader themselves. If your being isn't right, none of these things will help you lead as God wants you to or as God intends you to. As we come to um, the end of the session and our leadership dilemma, let's look at a couple of key verses that highlight the dilemma. So Jesus, who, remember, was the very son of God, said, I can do nothing on my own, John 5.30. Some of us have to work against that tendency to forge ahead and do things on our own strength. We have to recognise that we can do absolutely nothing of any lasting value on our own, in our own strength. We just can't. But Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Others of us have to work against the tendency not to do anything and hang back too much. Maybe because we still feel that we're not really a leader. Or maybe out of cowardice or laziness or an unwillingness to take responsibility. So the biblical principle is that I am the one who can do all things, but only through him who strengthens me. Now, if you know Jesus, you have been given already the best possible start as a leader because you have a new, perfect being. And as your character grows to become more and more like him, it will work its way out into your doing. And this is the bottom line. There is nothing whatsoever to stop you becoming the leader Jesus wants you to be and playing your part in seeing society transformed.